first question I wanted to ask you because you know yeah. you work in tech, you work in tech, so I wanted to test you a little bit, giving me the sixty second elevator pitch for Graham. For Graham, not for for the company. No, 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 for Graham. We'll we'll get onto okay. that after. Yeah, so um, I'm currently the commercial lead for uh, an API company called Affix. Um, my background is in startups and in products. Um, I've I've founded two startups now, um, working on a third currently, and led product for another health tech company as well. So I've kind of been been kind of running all kind of non-technical roles within, within early stage startups, uh, but never really intended to get here, I to get into tech. Um, always thought I was going to be a diplomat. Uh, that's, a, that's a longer story. <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. All you're missing is your favorite color. <laughs> Sorry? All you're missing is your favorite color, and I think you have it. <laughs> is is what, what's my favorite color is the next question? Sure, sure. Blue. Perfect. Right right now, currently. Yeah, that, it that, changes. That, that, that These things change. Right now, the vibe is blue, but that's also just because I'm wearing a blue shirt. So, yeah, yeah. the first thing on my mind. <laughs> um, so, I suppose we can go in a, new, a number of different directions from there. Um, so, I think, I think I wanted to touch a little bit on your diplomatic... Uh, background and sort of I know you studied inter international relations which is sounds pretty cool so what's that like um yeah so so international relations and that was a kind of a combination of this it, it was a small a small liberal arts college uh Colgate University in upstate New York mm -hmm. and yeah always you know, I grew up watching the news every night, global, global news, uh, ABC news with, uh, Charlie Gibson, um, watched them with my mom and dad every night, uh, I got home from school. And so I've always had this, I don't know, interest in global affairs. And so turned that into a international relations degree in university. Um, and decided I wanted to go into politics because that was kind of that, you know, where problems could be solved. and wanted to be a diplomat because I was the youngest of three brothers and always kind of sat at the dinner table and saw a variety of different kind of perspectives uh, being argued. And I was kind of the one quiet at the dinner table, um, just kind of like soaking in the different, you know, bickerings of two older brothers. Um, and so I, I don't know, I think that kind of gave me this, like, this idea at least that um, listening to two sides in, in an argument or, you know, in a conflict. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of, I, I felt that I had a bit of a skill in kind of bridging the gap between arguments and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of tied those two things together into diplomacy. And so moved to Washington, D.C. after college, um, started working for John McCain um, in, in a Senate office right before he passed away. Um, and then was working so I was working on the hill for you know a few more months after that and then got a scholarship to go teach English in Italy and so I took that uh, just because I always you know I'd been I'd been taught and advised that getting to foreign countries and like seeing the world from different perspectives 
um, was kind of the best way, best path into diplomacy. Mm. And thought I could bridge it into some sort of like, you know, American, European, uh, cross-cultural angle. And COVID hit, sending back to the U.S. And that's when I got involved in a startup that was solving, um, solving, uh, helping out with, you keep kids in school via a contact tracing app, um, for independent schools. And I just felt more of an immediate impact during that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and felt that kind of tech was maybe the place to, to solve problems instead of what, you know, I initially thought of. Yeah. And I suppose with tech, like it's, um, it's obviously an ever changing landscape and it's, um, it's changes how we interact as humans and how we uh, connect as humans. So like, what's, what's the coolest way in your your career that you've seen or suppose the most unexpected way of of how tech has changed how we connect or act with each other because i think that's that's one thing that you sort of touched on there i'm not sure if i necessarily have a an example from my own like you know working experience um though i will say that i think kind of the async communication has just quickly seeped into our lives and become like a very normal thing. Mm. And, you know, it started off as texts and now it's, you know, Slack messages and you know, even voice notes now. And we're kind of getting closer to kind of real time or getting close to more kind of conversational um, asynchronous formats like with voice notes. But I think there's a lot lost in this async fo- format where just so much context is lost, so much nuance. You know, you, you're just speaking for you know two minutes on end on a variety of different things, and you just kind of leave like a, a you know a two minute voice note, and there's Into no Davis. response to it. Yeah, exactly. And there isn't a, you know picking up on you know someone's responses to it. There isn't like the immediate kind of response. You know, there isn't the immediate like understanding that. Um, or recognition that someone isn't understanding uh, a certain concept you might be talking about. And so there's so much context lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure if this answers your question, but I feel like that is kind of the most profound um, thing that's kind of changing in the world right now. And we're just very much getting, people are are just kind of adapting to it. And it's going to become a very normal part of our lives. but you know, all like human evolution has uh, taught us not to communicate like that. And I'm not sure what the, you know, the impact is going to be. I'm yeah. not sure if it's going to be a good one. Um, but that's just something I kind of, kind of question a lot. Well, I think on a wider point on that is how quickly tech is changing the world without the consequences being seen. So innovation continues because the um, innovation continues in, in, in pursuit of, you know, advancement, but the future consequences are forgotten about, which I think it's sort of see, see across the board, but AI is one, one element. And I know you, one of your 
one of your previous startups is in that world. So do you want to tell us a little bit about this, you know, forward and maybe speak on AI as a whole? Yeah, so uh, forward was, uh, you know, an attempt at a B2C startup. Uh, it didn't didn't get off the ground as, you know, we would have liked, but the idea was that it would allow you to share kind of online context, you know, anything you'd previously seen online without having to go search for that information, without going to, you know, ret retrieve that information. You'd be typing and that email or that quote or that link that you had seen three months ago would pop up right in front of you, right when you were communicating with someone. So you could share it instantly, um, you know, just as, just as fluidly as you might remember a, a memory um, or communicate a memory in person. Um, so that, that's what we were working on there. And you know, we faced some technical challenges with getting it off the ground. Um, you know, certainly on the way to that, I think one of the things that I'm kind of more interested or I'm thinking a lot about with AI is that it seems to me that the kind of the human constraint is the thing that AI is going to impact. Um, and if you, if you think about like any company, any business, like any process that you have, you think about like, what is the human constraint? Can this be automated away? Um, the area that I haven't seen too much innovation in, but I'm watching um, and also thinking about it is like the marketplaces um, that, that have kind of that human component, um, you know, on like the supply side. Mm -hmm. and if that supply side can, you know, the great thing about marketplaces besides, besides a given distribution to the supplier is that it can give tons of choice to the to the consumer and we live in the world today where we we want this kind of constant uh personalization mm. and to me even within marketplaces there are constraints to that personalization with what is offered in the supply side and so if there are certain kind of marketplaces where humans are kind of on the supply side if that can be automated away with you know very unique personalization using AI. Um, that's an area that I think we kind of haven't explored yet. Um, and I'm not sure what that marketplace is. You know, there's just, you know, pure, you know, pontificating. Um, but that's an area I'm, you know, I, I find it to be the most interesting in, the, in this space. Mm -hmm. The rest yeah. of it terrifies me. For the rest of it. <laughs> like everything else I see, I'm like, that's cool, but also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's, where's, where's my bunker? <laughs> that's that is the the place I find myself as well. Of it's a it's, it's everything is so cool and everything is so amazing and there's so much potential. But it's all it takes is for one layer to be removed for an absolute apocalyptic result. Uh, <laughs> after after most most uh, rabbit holes you go down, but. I suppose the the other thing, and it's sort of related there, where you're sort of, um, I know you're a man with uh, no shortage of ideas, and your brain is is never ending. So it's it's um 
it's one thing I sort of battle with in in that. So tell us a little bit about your current startup, but then I also want to know um how you because this is something I struggle with, so this is more me getting advice, but how you um you know do your day-to-day work and really uh seek to achieve in that, but also fight back the the bundles of ideas that uh you know, fight to get through and fight to get our to our frontal lobe and into our into our mind. Yeah. So, so two questions. Um, the first one is yes. Yeah, so we are building a fix. It's a single API into HR and payroll system, mm-hmm. um, and we can provide access to any system, any endpoint, and in any use case. So instead of relying on the underlying systems to provision the API and provide the API that, you know, we would, you know, a company like ourselves would t- typically aggregate. We build our own API into these systems so we can kind of um, provide for deeper integrations. Um, and so separately, this is, and, and kind of actually one of the things that I realized in this startup is, you know, especially in a B2B sense, when you're kind of constantly communicating with so many different stakeholders, um, it's very easy to get kind of constantly pulled in different directions, bogged down, distracted, interrupted. Um, And so one thing I've been trying to teach myself more about is focus and just how to maintain it. I I think, you know, attention is kind of one of the most important things in this world. Um, And it's like one of the most scarce things in this world. Uh, and we're, we live in a world now that's a constant demands on our attention. Uh, and so one thing I've been trying to do more recently is really just kind of simplify my tasks for the day, you know, narrow focus into just like three core things that I want to accomplish each day and anything else I consider kind of a distraction and kind of just a notepad next to me. And whenever I think of, you know, think of going to LinkedIn, think of checking email, I write down that on a distraction list. And so I just recognize it as a distraction and I don't go do it. And I just try and maintain focus for as long as possible on that, like, one core thing. And, you know, of course, I have meetings you know, throughout the day and stuff. But when I have this time for focus, I just really try and block out all distractions. And inevitably, I will have, you know, an idea and I'll write it down on the idea list or a distraction. I'll write down the distraction list. And I kind of have that as like my, my release valve. Um, and just, you know, write it down and just stay focused. So mm-hmm. that's, that kind of the, that, that's kind of my current thing. But I have found that there are certain ideas that, you know, if I just sticks with you for a few days, that's when you know that maybe you should mm. look further into it. And if not, just kind of move on. Yeah, and I think that's that's a big part of it. Of it, you know, mm. when to to kill your babies, as I say. So if if there's an idea that you've sort of attached yourself to too long, or you, you kind of you get that that sunk sunk cost of uh, I've, I've put this much into it, I may as well keep going with it. Um, and I, I, you know, have been dealing with one of those currently. So, <laughs> as have I. So that's brilliant. Good to know. 
Um, so we're getting towards time, but there's one thing that I really want to talk to because we've talked about it before. And uh, I love how you, you're probably the only person I've talked to about this topic who's looked into it before. So um, mimetic desire, talk to me about how you came across mimetic desire and how do I, and I suppose, where do you see mimetic desire in your in your life or what's the cool things that you've come across? Yeah, so mimetic desire, uh, this this topic is the one area that I, you know, have, I have no shortage of interest in this area. Mm -hmm. um, I came across this, I was watching White Lotus. <laughs> I, I wish there was a better origin story, but I was watching White, <laughs> White Lotus. The, the main character, you know, identifies that his uh, his best friend is trying to sleep with his girlfriend, and he accused him of of having a mimetic desire. I was like, "What is that concept?" And so I went down this massive rabbit hole, and 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 also for those who should i you know provide context, context on what yeah, it is yeah, or, give a little context yeah, so the, the idea the idea of mimetic desire is that um, all of our desires come from seeing someone else desire the same thing so desire doesn't um it's not something that is kind of inherent or actually within us it's something that we we see almost models in life have and that it gives that it imbues that object or that person or that thing with desire mm -hmm. um and kind of the reason for this is that humans are learning machines and so we're constantly just learning and you know connecting different dots in our heads and acting on those and so just like we are learning um you know just taking all these imp impressions and data points um, every single moment, we're also you know, taking in and learning and learning what is actually attractive or, or desirable. Um, you know, one one place uh, that I've seen this recently and kind of worries me is about how you know kind of the cycle of violence that has um, happened following the. Um, was the the September seventh attacks in Israel, um, mm -hmm. where you know, following terrorism attacks, there's like this kind of back and forth. It seemed like there were you know attacks even beyond like you know outside of the Middle East, mm -hmm. um, have attacks on different groups, um, Muslims and and Jews, kind of going back and forth um, around the world, and just kind of. It was, it was scary to see kind of how that kind of hatred um, bounced back and forth a lot. Um, the other area that I'm, I don't think it's really being talked about is if you, if a medic desires is kind of, um, well, if a medic desire is this area that, or it is, is a result of learning because we are kind of learning machines. The place that I'm worried about this is just coming back to AI, where AI is essentially modeled after the human brain. Mm -hmm. These are just you know very large human brains, but they they you know functionally they work very similar to us. 
um, and they also just learn and consume data and just learn based on kind of what's been fed and what they're seeing. You have suddenly the situation where this arms race of multiple different LLMs being built. My concern is what, you know, what are they learning that is desirable from, you know, just the information of being fed from humans, but also, you know, at some point are these out, do these LLMs interact? And when these LLMs interact, what will that impact be? And, yeah. you know, one of the stuff that uh, Renee Girard, who's the, you know, the, the father of Meg Desire, one thing that he talks about is how that desire leads to conflict um, mm. and kind of a scapegoating mechanism. And my worry is that kind of what is that impact if these two, if, if LLMs can kind of find some sort of scarce thing, you know, this one, this one item that they both deem to be desirable, you know, and kind of go into con and both desire the same thing. What does that what does that result in? Uh, That's a uh, it's it's another singularity. <laughs> if if they're looking for one thing, that's that's one way of putting it. It's a singularity, which it's not something I thought of, but um, a, a, another great reason to be absolutely terrified of LLMs and yeah. AI. Yeah. But what about yourself? I know that wasn't a. Um, you know, daily use case thing, but it was just you know, two, two areas that I have been thinking no, about. I think the great slash terrible thing about mimetic desire is the deeper you look into it, the more prominent you see it being. Mm -hmm. So the more, the, the bigger the issue, the more prominent it's going to be. So I think you gave two great examples there of, of really topical and uh, current issues that I think it's 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 clear to see, but then it's also in a local context as well of of Ireland and looking at how if say a, a Conor McGregor and he it's it's that idea and it, it comes back a bit to just uh, being a, a celebrity and a personality, but the things which he seeks and he looks for or anyone in a, a, a position like that, anything they desire, the 50 million people who follow them or the thousands of people who are affected by them or anyone in a position like that, it's, it's terrifying how one person can, can um, use mimetic desire in a negative way like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's not always necessarily a, uh... It's not always necessarily intentional by them. You mm. know, they, they don't realize that they're doing it necessarily. You know, they, they may want to promote their opinion, but they don't realize that by virtue of them promoting the opinion, it makes that opinion attractive. Like I don't know if they always you know, understand the mimesis behind it. Like, mm, absolutely. Um, I was watching that's the, the, that's the terrifying thing, though, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, exactly. a, it's a lack of awareness for it. But... Yeah. But it, it, even kind of the the one I recognized recently was I was watching the Elon Musk interview with uh, Aaron Sorkin mm -hmm. uh, just the other day, and he mentioned a book that he had read when he was a kid that was kind of influential for him. And I found myself just, you know, I was looking through audiobooks to listen to uh, 
the other day and I chose that one uh, mm. to listen to. And it was just, I, I recognized it for what it was and yet I still want to listen to it. So yeah. Yeah. It's um, yeah. <laughs> just because you're aware of it doesn't mean it's <laughs> you're, you're above it in the slightest. Exactly. Um, and just on that, I think, Two great books. Uh, you mentioned one there, but Scapegoat by Rene Girard. And then also, um, I think it's Desire by Luke Burgess. Um, if people would, are interested in uh, that idea, it's, or just, just Google it. It's, it's a, a red pill, as they say. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you won't see the world the same. No, no. You'll be talking, you'll be talking like me and Graham um, do often. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think. I'll leave it there, but I'm absolutely, if you'd be happy, I'd love to have you on again, get a bit deeper into our conversation. Cause yeah. Any, any, any one of those areas, especially exactly. the last one, you exactly. know, I, I can go on for an hour. Yeah. Um, we're constrained by the, the concept, which I've come up with. So we'll have to just keep <laughs> recording. Fantastic. But, um, really appreciate you coming on, Graham. And um, yeah, have a nice evening.